are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 4. It's an honor to preach here at North Valley Baptist Church. I love my church family, and I love uh, the staff and faculty, Golden State, North Valley Baptist Church, the school, thankful for everyone. And uh, when I first moved here, one of the big transitions for me was not preaching as often, and uh, it was a bit of a struggle at first, Pastor, but I'll tell you, I've been here long enough now, and I've come to enjoy all the preachers who preach, and especially our pastor, and uh, when I used to feel like, boy, I wish I was preaching now, when I am, I I feel like, boy, I wish somebody else was preaching where I could hear, hear them preach, but I am certainly honored to be here tonight and to be preaching the Word of God. I have a special uh, blessing tonight to have my sister and brother-in-law here from Woodland and to Paul and Vanessa Gooding and their little boy Samuel is less than three months old and they uh, came down a couple days ago for uh, he is working in the area and uh, they were able to stay over for the service tonight and so I'm excited for that. Uh, Tonight's message is a little bit longer of an introduction and the message is a little shorter so I hope that you'll bear with me and uh, I pray that the, the passage of scripture would really come alive to us tonight. I'm thankful for the people of North Valley Baptist Church. You're such a wonderful church family and you are resilient and you are overcomers and I thank God for that. I thank God for your testimony and uh, your testimony has inspired churches up and down our state and uh, literally across the country and around the globe. And so tonight uh, I really uh, believe that I'm preaching to the choir if it's okay to say it that way. But uh, I believe that the Word of God will be a blessing to each of our hearts and lives. We're in Matthew chapter 4. We're going to jump right in. Verse 1, the Bible says, then. Anytime you see the word then in the Bible, you need to stop and ask yourself when. And if you back up just a few verses, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. Amen? And uh, he's baptized by immersion. And uh, you hear uh, God the Father, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit of God descending like a dove lighting upon him. And then after this great step uh, in in his journey, uh, we see the word then in chapter 4 and verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written. If you like to write in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline that. And uh, Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 5 here. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil take them up into a holy city and set them on, pin- on, on a pinnacle of the temple. And said unto him, if thou be the son of God. He says it again. Cast thyself down for it is written. Now Satan begins to quote the Bible. The problem is uh, he omitted a few words and twisted the scriptures. He says, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again. I love, I love the word again. 
Jesus quotes more Bible than Satan here. He quotes from Deuteronomy 6.16, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh them up into an exceeding high mountain and showed them all the kingdoms of, of the world and the glory of them and said unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, Satan is in fact the God of this world and was striving to give Jesus the crown without the cross, really. Verse 10, Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, he quotes from Deuteronomy 6, 13, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Satan didn't mention anything about service, but your worship and your service go hand in hand. Then the devil leaveth him. He left him because Jesus resisted the devil. That's what the Bible says, resist, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I love this little statement here at the end of verse 11. And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Jesus came not to be ministered to, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. And yet twice in the Gospels we find angels ministering to him here in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege to preach your word tonight. What a privilege, Lord, to be a member of North Valley Baptist Church. And what an uh, extreme honor, Lord, to be a staff member here at Golden State Baptist College. Lord, I thank you for what you're accomplishing in our lives through these days. And I pray, God, that as we come to your word, that it would come alive to us tonight, that you would truly speak to every heart, and God, that you would strengthen us spiritually. And may we leave here more like the Lord Jesus Christ, and help us, Lord, to be overcomers, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in Romans 12, 21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that is a, an overcoming church, a resilient church. We're living in days, as Isaiah said in Isaiah 5, 20, where we're calling good evil and evil good. Where we're putting darkness for light and light for darkness. Where we're putting bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We still have some important steps to take, more Valley Baptist Church, and some great victories to overcome. And as I consider the thought tonight, overcoming evil, I'm reminded of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, who is the greatest example of an overcomer. He overcame sin, he overcame death, and he overcame the old devil. And tonight, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, where he overcomes the old devil. Amen. And uh, Matthew chapter 4 here records this temptation. It takes place right after his baptism. The father is well pleased with his son. The spirit has descended like a dove, and he's baptized by John the Baptist. I love Baptist preachers named John. I don't know what it is about Baptist preachers with the name John, but I thank the Lord for them. I'm Baptist born, Baptist bred. When I die, I'll be Baptist dead. I'm a Baptist. Can I get a witness right there? Jesus was baptized by immersion by John the Baptist. He identified with his message and his doctrine. May I say tonight, it's amazing when we take great steps forward, just as Jesus got baptized, as we take great steps forward and strive to move forward, Satan is right there to attempt to destroy us. Not only was this right after his baptism, but just after this temptation, Jesus moves into his earthly ministry. This is right before his earthly ministry takes off. This encounter proves to us that the character of Jesus Christ was in fact holy, teaches us that Satan is not able to stop the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that Jesus Christ is the head of the ministry here at North Valley Baptist Church. Though Satan will try repeatedly over and over and over again to destroy your life and mine and to squelch our lives and to uh, hinder us from serving God, 
we can be overcomers as Jesus was an overcomer. I want you to notice, first of all, with me tonight, in verse number one, Jesus enters the wilderness. He was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. May I say tonight that every one of us face wilderness experiences. And God has a purpose for the wilderness season. And God can and is doing great things in and through the wildernesses we face. I think of Philip who was in a desert wilderness when he led the Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reminded tonight of the children of Israel who learned about God's provision as they were in the wilderness for 40 years. I'm reminded of John the Baptist who became a voice for God, crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight in the wilderness. I'm reminded of Moses who at the age of 40 chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And yet even after that decision at the age of 40, he spent another 40 years in the backside of the desert listening to sheep bath all day long for 40 years as God was preparing him to be the meekest man and lead 2 million Hebrews out of bondage from Pharaoh and Egypt because... He spent that time in preparation in the wilderness. Many miraculous things take place in the wilderness. This was a desolate place. A wilderness is completely void of anything good. It's unproductive and it's barren. To live in the wilderness is to live in a difficult circumstance and situation. The desolation of this wilderness is great. And it's a great contrast to the Garden of Eden where Satan tempted Adam and Eve. The garden is symbolic of the finest of circumstances, and yet Adam and Eve were defeated by Satan. Christ was tempted in the worst of circumstances. Satan had every advantage, and yet Christ defeated Satan. May I say tonight, the heart is deceitful and above all things and desperately wicked. You see, this victory of Christ in the wilderness and the defeat of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden will forever expose the lie and false teaching that all people need in order to be reformed is to live in the right environment and have the right education. My friend, I'm here to tell you tonight what the world needs is a new birth that's only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And a spiritual birth that comes as a person recognizes that Jesus' fact was God robed in human flesh and that He lived a perfectly sinless life and He died a substitutionary death on the cross of Calvary. And He didn't stay dead, praise God. The third day He rose from the grave. And when we place our faith in Him, we're born again spiritually. God moves into our life and changes us from the inside out. You see, we don't need more government programs to put people in, put people in nicer homes and, and, and uh, these types of things to fix the crime problems in America today. We need the Holy Spirit of God that's teaching people the Word of God. And when that happens, we can uh, see the Lord turn ghetto places into good neighborhoods. We saw, as you study the Word of God, the Garden of Eden turn into a ghetto place. You see, it's godly character that can only come through the Lord Jesus Christ, not through a better environment that can improve our society. This was a desolate place. This was a deserted place. A wilderness is often called a desert or a deserted place and emphasizes that Christ was all alone here. This place was a place of solitude for Jesus for 40 days. May I say tonight that solitude is often the place 
where the victories of our lives are won or they are lost. Humanly speaking, Satan had all of the advantages. This wilderness location gave Satan the advantage. But this passage teaches us that Satan at his strongest point is no match for God at his weakest point. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 25, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Someone say amen right there, please. You and I will experience the seasons of wilderness and dryness and barrenness. And in these times, we must remember that God has a purpose for everything that He's allowed into our lives. These seasons of great testing and difficulties and trials, we have to be reminded that God is at work behind the scenes. And the Christian life has always been and will always be, it will always be, not a playground, but a battlefield. There are always casualties and wars. And sadly, when these days come, Many people go AWOL, that's a military term, for absent without leave because of their desert experience. God doesn't want that for you and I. He wants us to overcome. May we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us the principles we need to be overcomers. And many times in life, our greatest trials become our greatest victories because we'll all face the wilderness I ask the question tonight, how will you respond to the wilderness experiences that come into your life? Not only did Jesus face the wilderness, but he encountered the wicked one. In verse 3, the Bible says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If, if thou be the Son of God. Now, Satan started with his testing right away. I like what one preacher said. He said, If you wake up in the morning and you don't meet Satan face on, it may be that you're headed the same direction. I heard about a pastor who, he parked his car in a no parking zone. He was short on time and late for his appointment. And so he jotted a note and put it on his windshield. He said, I've circled the block ten times, and I've parked here because I didn't want to miss my appointment. And then he signed it, forgive our trespasses. When he came back to his vehicle an hour later, he found a citation from a police officer with a little note from the police officer, and he said, I've been circling this block for ten years, if I don't give you a ticket, I'll lose my job. And then he signed it, lead us not into temptation. Amen. I'm here to tell you tonight that Satan will do everything he can to pull you and I and distract us from doing what God has called us to do. And Jesus said, or, or excuse me, uh, God the Father said in chapter 3, verse 17, the very last verse of chapter 3, this is my beloved son in whom... I am well pleased. And yet we move just a few verses down to verse 3, and Satan is already questioning, if thou be the Son of God. The first words that Satan quotes in the New Testament, if thou be the Son of God, remind me of the first words that Satan used in Genesis 3 in the Old Testament, yea, hath God said, as he questions the very word of God. This temptation sounded like Satan's words there to Eve in Genesis 3, and it subtly suggested, listen carefully, that God the Father does not love you, and He does not love me. Because as He goes through His temptations, He seems to indicate that God the Father was holding back on God the Son. Just as He tempted Adam and Eve the same way, God is holding back from you. 
But I'm reminded of Psalm 84, verse 11. The Lord will give grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Satan is saying, listen, since you are God's beloved son, why doesn't your father feed you? And Satan was challenging Christ to prove his his identity as God's son. But may I say that God does not have to prove anything to Satan. Amen. Oh my, God never has to prove anything to anyone. And especially on Satan's terms. You see, you and I need to learn to believe God and believe God's word and believe him on his terms. We don't need to move God onto our terms. Satan says, command that these stones be made bread. God does not tempt us, but he does allow the devil to tempt us. And I'm reminded of James 1.13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. You see, Satan was mixing right with, with wrong. You see, eating to satisfy your hunger is not necessarily wrong. But if the temptation, but, but if the temptation here is for Christ to satisfy his need by a wrong method. Christ did not have the authority given to him from the Father to perform miracles yet. Jesus could have turned the stones into bread, but he would have been exercising his his, uh, power independently from the Father. And he came to do the will of the Father. John 8 and verse 29 says, I do always those things that please the Father. And you and I would do well tonight to learn from our Savior to always do those things that please the Father. The temptation was to do something that was right, but to do it in a wrong way. Satisfying fleshly hungers by turning stones to bread was the wrong way for Jesus. It was also the wrong time because it wasn't time for him to perform earthly miracles. It was also for the wrong motive because proving his identity was a wrong motive. This temptation centered on a fleshly appetite. May I say tonight, listen carefully, when we put our physical needs ahead of our spiritual needs, we are committing sin against God. When we allow circumstances to dictate our actions instead of following God's will, we are in fact sinning. And I'm reminded tonight that the devil will always tempt you at your weakest point. Jesus was hungry. He hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. The desire to feed our flesh is manifested today by Christians who refuse to fast. Now listen carefully. I know and understand that there are Christians that cannot fast, but there is a great contrast between Christians who cannot fast and Christians this morning, this evening who will not fast. And may I say tonight that our world today, more than ever before, needs Christians who are willing to deny the flesh and seek the face of God. It's no wonder that the forces of Satan continue to grow in our day and are unchallenged by the people of God because of God's people who are not seeking the face of God. The world emphasis is on the flesh. And this is nothing more than a manifestation of the humanistic and satanic philosophy of our day that gives our appetites a priority over the spiritual needs of mankind. We now have to bow down to the health department. Do you understand that tonight? It's a humanistic philosophy because our health has become our God. It's not the spiritual needs of of our world today. It's become the physical needs of our world today. Not only will the devil tempt you at your weakest point, but he will tempt you and I 
at all points. Hebrews 4.15, he was tempted at all points like we are, yet without sin. I love that part of the verse. The only one that ever overcame sin was tempted at all points. He understands every temptation you and I face. He understands every difficulty that we face. And so we move to the second temptation in verse number 5. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, questioning again, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up at any time, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. I'm going to come back to Satan quoting the scripture a little bit later. Jesus is being tempted by Satan in a holy place. And I'm reminded that Satan was attempting to tempt Jesus with the sacred and to do something sinful. And Satan has no respect for anything that is sacred. High places and high positions are often places of strong temptation. And Satan uses his tactic to corrupt those who hold positions oftentimes of authority. Jumping from the temple would have been a reckless and an unwise decision. And I would submit to you tonight, we need Christians who will by faith jump into the Word of God as Jesus quoted Scripture over and over and over again. And I'm reminded today that we have those that hold public office who are in high position, who are using their power in wrong ways. As Satan comes on the scene, he's lying subtly to Christ. And and the message that he's giving is, God doesn't want to feed you. God will not protect you. God, the next temptation, is holding back His blessings from you. And all of this, the underlying message is God does not love you. I want you to think about that tonight. As I ask the question, what lie is Satan trying to tell you tonight? That God is not going to protect you physically? That God is not going to feed you? That God uh, doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you. Jesus faced the wilderness. Jesus not only entered the wilderness, He encountered the wickedness, but thirdly, He's enticed by the world in verse 8 and 9. Again, the devil taketh them up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Wow. The audacity of Satan to go toe-to-toe with the Lord Jesus Christ. Unbelievable. The promise of material gain causes so many people to cave and live sinful lives. People who are willing to sell their soul for the gain of this world. But I'm reminded that what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul, as Jesus said? He has nothing, Satan, he has nothing to offer us spiritually. The only gain that Satan has to offer us is temporal, very temporal. And there is a steep price. We see the price of sin, verse 9, if thou will fall down and worship me. There's two options on the table. We worship the Lord Jesus Christ or the the Creator or we worship the creature. You can gain some things by dishonoring the Lord. Many have chosen this path in life. But it is a high price. We see the pleasure without the suffering in verse 9. All these things will I give thee. This is a temptation that's promised to eliminate the pain 
of the cross. And Satan wants to lie to you and he wants to lie to me today. And he wants to say, hey, I want to give you the crown without taking up your cross. God still reminds us today, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Satan wanted to give Christ the crown and detour him from going to the cross. Satan didn't want the cross. And every false religion and every cult that leaves the cross and abandons the deity of Jesus Christ, these are, these are religions that are authored by Satan himself. And he is always tempting God's people to take shortcuts to pleasure. But my friend, tonight the world offers nothing as important as salvation. And the souls of men are so vitally important you cannot put a price tag on them. That's why the buses of North Valley Baptist Church need to roll again. That's why the doors of Golden State Baptist College need to open again. And our classrooms need to be filled with students who are preparing for the gospel ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important for you and I to understand tonight that Jesus faced Satan as a man, not as the Son of God. And this is very evident to us as we come to verse number 4 as Jesus responds to Satan with the first word, man. Man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus didn't choose to use His divine powers to overcome the enemy. Jesus used the same spiritual resources that are available to you and I this evening. So we ask the question as we get to the message. How, in fact, did Jesus overcome the wilderness? How did Jesus overcome the wicked one? And how did Jesus overcome the world? And I would say, first of all, tonight... He was led by the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 1 says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Jesus was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. 1 John 4, 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And I'm reminded tonight that the Holy Spirit of God led Jesus to an undesirable place. And if you and I are going to be led by the Spirit of God, that may mean that God leads us into undesirable circumstances and places. And nobody says, sign me up for the wilderness journey. Nobody wants to enter a season of barrenness. But tonight I'm reminded that Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 1 says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. You see, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into an undesirable place. And then the Holy Spirit led Jesus into a negative situation as He went face to face with the deceiver of the world. And I would submit to you tonight that if Jesus needed to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God, how much more do you and I in 2020 need to be filled with the Spirit of God? How did Jesus overcome the wilderness, the world, and the wickedness? He was led by the Spirit of God. And by the way, the angels come and minister to Him at the end of our text, and then Jesus' earthly ministry takes off like a, like a rocket. He overcome as He was led by the Spirit of God. Secondly, 
He was not only led by the Spirit of God, but he was fed by the Word of God. Verse 4, he says, man shall not live by bread alone. The Holy Spirit of God drove Jesus to the Word of God and an evidence of a spiritual and a Spirit-filled person is their adherence to the Word of God. Wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereto according to thy Word. Jesus used the Scripture every time. Verse 4, it is written. Verse 7, it is written again. And then verse uh, number... I missed it. Did I skip one? There we go. For it is written. There it is in the middle of verse 10. Thank you. Somebody help me out there. But I'm reminded of Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It was very evident that Jesus was quoting scripture that he knew from his heart as he quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and chapter 6. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus overcame through the power of the Spirit but as the Word of God directed His way, He knew the Word of God. He quoted the Word of God. He followed the counsel of the Word of God. We need to care more about bread, the bread of the Scriptures, than bread for our stomach tonight. We need to care more about our spiritual food than our physical food tonight. As I look at our city, and I look at our state, and I look at our country, and I look at the need of the world, I'm reminded tonight, is there not a cause... And one of the great needs of our churches today is for God's people to know, in fact, the Word of God. The church at Thessalonica was a model church. It was an exemplary church. And yet in Acts chapter 17 and verse 10, it states, The brethren that immediately sent away Paul and Silas into the night to Berea. And it goes on to talk about the Berean Christians in verse 11. And it says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. It reminds me to receive with meekness the engrafted word. But secondly, it says that they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And people today are searching for satisfaction, but they're not finding it because they're not finding it in the scriptures. God's people need to be more like the Berean Christians in 2020 than ever before because oftentimes the only Bible this world will see is the life of you, is your life and my life. And as we uh, meditate on the Word of God and as we apply the Word of God and as we shine forth the light of the Word of God, we can help the lives of those who are in darkness. Not only did Jesus overcome by the leading of the Spirit of God, and not only did Jesus overcome by the power of the Word of God, but He fasted and He prayed. Verse 2, 40 days and 40 nights. The fasting by Christ, 40 days and 40 nights. This was a planned fast. It was a preparation. A preparation to overcome the enemy. A preparation for victory. But it was also a preparation for his future ministry. And I'm reminded that the Bible tells us in Matthew 17, 21, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Oftentimes I find that Christians are powerless people to accomplish what God has called them to accomplish because they haven't spent the time fasting and praying. And after Jesus defeated Satan, 
He was now ready to begin his earthly ministry. And Jesus proved himself to be our perfect example of overcoming evil. And he alone is worthy. May I say tonight that at some point, the seasons of life that we go through, they come to an end. I'm thankful for that. How many are thankful for that as well? But I'm also reminded that angels came and ministered to Jesus. A man who came to his own and his own received him not. Tonight, angels were willing to come and minister to him. And I want to challenge God's people tonight more than ever before. Let's be careful not to discourage those who are going through the wilderness experiences. And let's be careful not uh, to, uh, to uh, falsely judge or falsely accuse those. Because God perhaps is preparing them for future ministry. The comfort from God comes to those who are faithful to Him through the difficult seasons. Jesus is seen in the Garden of Gethsemane as angels come to minister to Him just before He goes to the cross for you and for me. And I wonder tonight, as you and I are filled with the Spirit and the power of God, as you and I are faithfully in the Word of God, memorizing and meditating on the Word of God day and night. That's where we find true success. And as we're denying self and fasting and praying and asking God to do the impossible, that God would empower us to be angels to minister to a world that is so lost from Jesus Christ. Tonight, will you be an overcomer? Will you overcome the wilderness experiences that may come? Some that you may not even see coming that will blindside you. Will you tonight overcome the temptations that Satan throws at you, realizing that God doesn't tempt us, but he does allow the devil to tempt us? Understanding that God desires to test us, and he desires these temptations to simply be stepping stones so that we can step up and not trip up. And tonight, can you and I, like never before, fast and pray? This world needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am, I am very concerned about this election that's coming up. But I would tell you, from the depths of my heart, I am much more concerned about the spiritual state of our pastors across the country than I am in the election of the White House. And I'm more concerned about the condition of God's people and His churches across our country and around the globe than I am the election that will take place here in just a few short weeks. And tonight, can you and I realize, as we've heard recently, that it doesn't really matter what happens on this earth as long as you and I are doing our part to seek the face of God and fast and pray. It could very well be that revival is around the corner. And may we seek the face of God through fasting and prayer. And may we seek to die to self and be filled with the Spirit of God. And may we seek, like never before, to be biblical in what we believe in our approach to everything that we do. Maybe we'll find angels ministering to us tonight as the invitation begins. I ask you to die to self. It's not an easy thing. John the Baptist said he must increase and I must decrease. 
Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.